Hello, and welcome back to Equity, a podcast about the business of startups, where we unpack the numbers and nuance behind the headlines. I'm Natasha Mascarenas, and this is our Wednesday show, where we niche down to a single topic, think about a question, and unpack the rest. This week, it is just me, and we are looking back on one of my favorite panels from last week at TechCrunch Disrupt 2022. I sat down with Chiefs co-founders Carolyn Childers and Lindsay Kaplan to talk about the future of this private women in leadership community. We talked about the definition of girl boss and why they hate it. They also talked a little bit about why it made sense to be as exclusive as they are. I do wish I pushed them a little bit more on revenue, but as you'll hear in the interview, they gave us some color on the growth of the company. Stay tuned. Please welcome to the stage our co-founders of Chief, Carolyn Childers and Lindsay Kaplan, and your moderator, Natasha Mascarenas. Warm welcome. We need to be on stage in order to get water here. So feel free to take a sip. We made it. Thank you all for coming and thank you guys for being here. Thanks for having us. We're excited for the discussion. Oh my God. Well, I mean, first off, you survived 2022 or 2021. Mm. You're into 2022. And I mean, the, the thing that came to mind when I saw that you guys are coming to disrupt is your biggest competitor just left the market. The wing that I would say is the biggest competitor shut down earlier this year. What kept Chief alive? What has kept Chief so long-lasting throughout all the years to now, you know, a $1.1 billion company? Yeah. Uh, we, I don't know, would say that that was actually, like, our biggest competitor. I think, you know, for us, we were excited to have a lot of momentum in organizations that were focused on driving women into, you know, positions of, of power and, yeah. and, and about empowerment in that way. And so I think for us, we're just excited that we're continuing to, you know, fight that mission. And for us, I think the biggest competitor, honestly, is time, because what is kind of unique about what Chief does is we focus on senior executive women, Right. Very specifically. So VP level and above is the best way to describe it, which is like the movie trope of the busy woman. And we really focus on the community coming together to support each other through your biggest professional and personal challenges, a lot of leadership development. And I think because we have been more focused on that segment of consumer and yeah. true like leadership development. And we always like to say like we're a community that happens to have a space, not a space that then tries to build a community. I think that is what has allowed us to endure, especially during, you know, 2020, 2021, when spaces were closed. Um, yeah. So it allowed us to actually kind of thrive through um, the pandemic time because it was a moment where people needed community more than ever. It is this like unique tension because I agree community was needed more than anything last year. And it was kind of the word of the year to the point where it became like the hype of the year. And now it's the stress test of the year. And so even if the wing isn't your direct competitor, I'm curious how you navigate the fact that so many startups are in the world interested in your community or kind of around it. And if not trying to get your members directly trying to preach the similar kind of mission and market. It's, it's a marketing game as well. And mm. I don't know if there's something that you would want to add there too, Lindsay. Yeah, you know, I think when we talk about women, right, it seems like this is for women. That's half the people in the world. Chief is for <laughs> women who are executive leaders. And so yeah. carving out a niche of women who have very particular needs around mentorship, networking, workshops, events, what they need is very different than just going out and saying, we're building a community for women. 
right? And so, you know, there are a lot of incredible organizations out there that are catering to different groups. And I think we found near and dear to us a need that wasn't being met by the current communities, networks, or groups out there. Yeah, I mean, huge 2022. You crossed 20,000 members, obviously raised $100 million at a $1.1 billion valuation, opening up your SF office this week and expanded to the UK this week as well. So thank you for all the news. <laughs> I, I, I want to know the state of the business right now in terms of what you charge and just, yeah, the different revenue streams. Because to me right now, it's still this membership-based network looks the same as it did when you launched. Is there a reason you haven't necessarily expanded in terms of the monetization while you haven't the locations. Yeah, I mean, so just to explain it a little bit of like what Chief is and what we do, we are a membership model. So annual membership fee for 70% of our members, it is sponsored by the companies that employ them. Which is super key, right? Like I think there's a lot of like B2C in this space (laughs) where the person needs to feel driven enough to apply and pay the money. Yeah, it's an interesting like B2C to B model that we have created. You're convincing employers to pay. Well, in the same way that, you know, an employee would go back and say, I really want an executive coach or I really want to go to a conference, they can go and say, I really would love to be a member of Chief. And where an executive coach can be $30,000 for a six-month engagement, you get a lot of the leadership development that you would get from something like that, plus access to this broader community. Um, so employers have actually very much stepped forward. And there's even you know quite a lot of companies that now are saying, we'd love to do a direct B2B relationship. Yeah. And, and um, it's so important because companies <laughs> say that they want women, right? Like every single company is trying to make sure that they are creating this diverse workforce. And yet we bring in women into boardrooms, C-suite, and then we're like, here you go. Can you mentor some people when you get here? <laughs> That's the thing. Because and you're going to feel like the only person in the room. Yeah. And just, just deal with it. We'll get you an executive coach. Right. And so companies are really eager to make sure that their you know, executive women are sponsored and they're extremely happy for them to engage with Chief. Yeah. I always wonder like how you balance even advice between do I become an advocate for this marginalized group that finally made its way to the boardroom or, you know, I'm here, how do I aspire and now take over the CEO position instead of this position? And I don't know how, like, when that translates into a product strategy, this is when community gets super difficult, productizing community. So tell me a little bit about how you're thinking about that now that you're in this, like, late stage startup game. Yeah. So there are 5.5 5.5 million women who are VP level and above in the U.S. And we have 20,000 members. So there's still like a ton of opportunity for us to build what we hope to be the most powerful network of women in yeah. the world. So still lots to do there. But I think for us, it is truly how do you, one of our very core values is time travel, which is both at the meta level of, you know, it's going to take 200 years before women are sure. equally represented and want to time travel there. But it's also at the micro level of, How do we give value to somebody really quickly? And so where a lot of other communities, you know, the product is the person. And so they're really focused on like average time spent. We're actually like as little time as possible that you can come in and get exactly what you need from Chief. If you need somebody to give a recommendation of an employment lawyer, if you're looking for somebody to talk to about a new job that you're just taking, like how do we make those connections really, really quickly so that the time to value is like really, really short for people to really be able to immerse in what what we create? Right. There's always this question of like, is this just a really fancy Slack group that I'm joining? And I think a lot of people have been burned by community too, where they feel like, they were pitched something else and then they get there and it's like, well, yeah, it's the people. Yeah. And so, I mean, how are you measuring your success if it's not going to be time on 
the platform. Well, and it, that's why it's so important when people join Chief. So we look at community really broadly. We have 20,000 members, but we also have 10-person peer groups, Okay, right? And so we hyper-curate groups of 10. They meet monthly with an executive coach, and that becomes their personal board of directors. So you have 10 people who understand where you're coming from, understand your challenges, who probably aren't from the same industry role or function as you and are really adding that cognitive diversity. So we have these incredible 10-person groups. From there, we have larger communities that are meeting up in people's hometowns and cities. And finally, we have that big network of 20,000. And so there's different layers of engagement, but it all is rooted in that group of 10 where you can really unpack issues that nobody else really around you can help you understand and won't necessarily hold a mirror up the way that that group can. How like specific are you trying to make these 10-person groups? Do they need to all have the same love language? Or like, is it, how, how do we pick the 10? Yeah, we put all Geminis together. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. It's, it's a That's weird the room. most dysfunctional of yeah. the groups. <laughs> no. Libras unite. She's a Gemini. She's a Gemini. It's said with love. It's a 20-person group. <laughs> Gemini. Um, so we hyper-curate by making sure that people are, first of all, at the same executive level. Okay. Title is kind of BS, right? So we're really looking at strength, length of impact of your career. How many people do you manage? How far up the chain are you? How big is your budget? From there, we are bringing together people. Again, we do VP, we do C-suite. We tend to cluster that level together. And then we purposefully bring in people from different roles, functions, and industries. Because I don't need 10 other marketers around me. I can easily go out. I already have 10 marketers, I know. What I really need is somebody who has deep expertise in finance. I really need somebody who understands legal to really give me that full diversity that helps me get better perspective and can make better decisions as an executive woman. So there's a lot of curation, but it's actually to bring together people who get it, but who can give back different advice. Yeah. Okay. Got it. I mean, and there's peer groups, there's just general peers, workshops, meetups, conversations, any other products that I'm missing or even as you look to the future that you're thinking about right now in terms of making the membership something that's living and breathing and changing? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest things for us has been really unlocking a lot of times the community moves faster than we can move. And so it's been really amazing is how much when you actually open up the technology for them to create meetups, for them to create the conversations, for them to create these discussions, how much that has actually opened up everything within Chief that we ourselves can't be the ones programming every interest that everybody would want. And so that's been really fun to see. I'd say the last thing, which, you know, you mentioned, we are opening up a clubhouse here in SF on Thursday is our official opening. So we do actually have some physical spaces as well. This will be our fourth that we're opening with the additional one in here in SF. And I think a big part of that is that, like, we just recognize what the world's is and continues to evolve from and to, you know, it's, it was obviously all virtual for everyone for a long period of time. But now people really do want to be able to have that blend of, I want to be able to tap in, get the value no matter where I am. But I also want to be able to have in-person connection. And uh, so I think a lot of what we focus on is how we can create that right blend. I know, I was going to kind of ask you an annoying question about the (laughs) SF office, which is like, it's expensive to build an office. And if you don't have to do physical a physical space right now, can you just avoid it as a founder that's in a market that is telling you to save all your money? And you're, it kind of looks like Chief is playing offense right now, which is smart. But at the same time, how do you choose when to spend on something like a, you know, a new beautiful SF office versus hiring more salespeople? 
<laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think the amazing thing about where we have gotten as a model is that you don't have to have the physical space okay. in order for people to get the value from Chief. You know, we launched fully nationally at the beginning of this year, which means we have four spaces in four cities, and yet we have women that have joined across every city across the U.S. So you do not have to have the space, but as we start to get density in certain locations, and we know that there's meetups that are happening within that community on a regular basis, we can actually facilitate some of that and make it even better and a more elevated experience after, um, okay. instead of the original model where we had to create the space and then the community would be built. We can now do it in a different way that is a, you know, just better business model for us, for sure. Totally. And I mean, speaking about the business model, the membership ranges from 5,800 to 7,900, mm -hmm. depending on level. Is there any plan to you know, increase that with physical spaces? Or how does that, again, talking about the business model, how does that change as the company scales and, and grows into its valuation? Honestly, you're, you've hit this unicorn status that gets the headlines, but we learned from this year that that's also brings a lot of investor pressure, which yeah. I want to spend some time talking about. Yeah, I mean, we do have, um, so the prices that you just quoted, it is an additional $1,000 if you want to have space access. And what we have found is that people, like, even if it's, you don't have a space within your city and geography, you are still often adding that on because everybody's traveling now and it actually is really nice to have that third space. But the bulk of the value, obviously, and the bulk in what companies are really paying for is, you know, that professional development and the community aspects together. Yeah for sure. Lindsay, I know you think a lot about brand and how to make sure it evolves over time. And when someone signs up for Chief, they probably got a very different experience the first day than where you are today. If we skip another five or 10 years, how do you hope the product changes and keeps up with making sure the membership is worth it for someone? Well, I think the core of the brand stays the same, which is so related to our mission of changing the face of leadership. Yeah. What that looks like is going to evolve, right? Our community started with 200 incredible women in New York, and now we are 20,000 strong. And so what's really exciting is as the network gets bigger, it's more powerful, and it's actually a more powerful experience for our members. So we know it evolves and we know it's shifting, but as Chief gets more powerful, we're excited to see more members taking on C-suite positions, creating the ripple effect in their organizations and changing the world. Yeah. I mean, during our prep call, I was saying I have like a million ideas of ways you can expand and I'm sure you both do too. But one I was thinking is like, okay, so right now the people who get accepted are C-suite, C-level executives, accomplished VPs or equivalent executive leadership and 15 years of experience, which is a really high bar. There's more women entering these positions, but why not go broader? It's a question I'm sure you get all the time, but is there any kind of thing coming up that's going to help you guys or make you guys want to go broader? Someone who's a year in versus 15. Well, I'll say this. One of the reasons we want to make sure it's vetted and it's for executive women is because of the experience we've had where you get to this level in your career where it's like, welcome to the C-suite. So we're going to need you to mentor everybody, mm -hmm. right? And we're going to need you to run an ERG. And suddenly the person who has all of these new challenges on their plate, in addition to that, you have that mentorship that you want to do and you feel obligated to do. And so we really wanted to make sure we had a vetted community where people had true peers because the mentors need to mentor each other. So really important for us to do that in order to create a safe space and confidentiality. I think there's definitely a world where, again, if our mission is to change the face of leadership, we started with women who are already leaders yeah. who can create that ripple effect because time travel is so important to us and we want to make a difference today. But it's certainly, you know, part of a longer, bigger plan for us to think about 
what comes next and who else can we impact in the near future. Right. Because I, I imagine there's more, even more of an impact if you get the person who wants that position or even like founders too. I mean, the audience is full of them. I'm sure there's founders who want to be accepted into chief and they're not right now able to. They definitely are. I mean, the way that we look at it is both the length and impact of your experience. So okay. like, it's not that if you don't have 15 years of experience, you can't get in. It's actually the impact that you're having, which could happen a lot earlier in somebody's career. So there's definitely an opportunity for people to join. But to Lindsay's point, like, our mission is to change the face of leadership. We have started in a very specific demographic that we personally understood yeah. what those challenges were. We wanted to feel really vetted. We're at 20,000 members of 5.5 million in the U.S., so there's so much opportunity there. But our mission is very big of changing the face of leadership, and that opens so many opportunities of what we can do over the lifespan of Chief. I'm so curious if there was like a certain challenge or moment that made it you know, it was such BS that it made you guys want to start Chief. And I know that's kind of an origin story We're question. We need so much more time. <laughs> <laughs> but tell me. like and some I, whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Everyone has that awesome, it was didn't really get shitty experience. <laughs> but what made it be like, I guess, what is the challenge you want to answer? What do you not want to see happen to women in leadership right now? Honestly, I think... For me, the stories are not about like what happened to me personally. It was when I started to get in the room where decisions were happening and I realized that there were differences in the way that conversations were running for different people within the organization. And like that was just a really eye-opening thing for me to say like, okay, and why I wanted to start with senior executive women in particular of just getting more of that 5.5 million women who are VP level above truly in positions of influence and the ripple effect that that could have mm -hmm. was a just really interesting place for us to start. Yeah. What about you? I signed so many NDAs. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, you know, I found myself having a kid at home and feeling so much pressure of being this model woman VP and really as like a, an anti-authoritarian like, person wanted to just like break out of that and felt really trapped and felt like I didn't have a group of friends that I could talk to that understood the challenges of what it was to be an executive and to carry this weight of caregiving. And so it, for me, you know, just wanting to find other people and feel less isolated and less lonely was really inspiring to meeting Carolyn, understanding that we both felt similarly in our careers and trying to find other women that could relate to me, help me. Um, so I had the strength to go back and mentor others. Yeah. And it obviously was a personal place for us. The second we announced it, we just had thousands join the wait list. We now have close to 60,000 on our wait list. Which can we talk about? Are your investors super patient? I'm, I imagine <laughs> that they're like, can you let them on? That's all money that's waiting for you guys. How? Why 60,000 on the wait list? It's amazing. The thing but is, why? the member experience is most important. So when you ask about growth, when we think about, you know, we've only scratched the surface of 5 million women in the U.S. It is so critical for us to make sure that members are really loving their experience, getting value out of Chief, 80% of members say they feel more supported once they've been a member of Chief in their career. Over 50% of Chief members have had a compensation adjustment or promotion since joining yeah. Chief, right? So we really want to make sure that we're focused on their experience before we just open the floodgates and, and make it bigger. It's kind of the mistake other communities have made, right? Like there is that really exciting burst of interest, but then a lot of us are more like, I wouldn't say ambitious than we think, but <laughs> it's like good intentioned. You get there and and then you don't really 
invest the same way. Mm-hmm. Which I guess to end on this before I want to talk about one of my favorite topics, which is girl bossing. Um, <laughs> metrics of success. What are we tracking right now? What, what's what's in the pitch decks or the LP updates or sorry, investor updates? Yeah, I mean, I think for us, the things, and it kind of goes to this question that you were asking before of like, why not let in 60,000? Yeah. For us, the number one thing is like the value that is being felt and generated from our existing community. It trumps growth in all conversations. And in many ways, I think we were in very fortunate positions of as we were fundraising, we found the right investors that okay. also felt the exact same way. And so it's truly around like that impact and all the measurements we can have around the impact and ultimately then retention of the community. I'm curious, like how, if Chief has fully recovered from the pandemic, even though it's still existing, like, the months when things stopped and there was the pivots, like, do you feel like you've kind of completely shaken that off or is it still kind of existing in the back as a ghost? I think it honestly helped us as a business more than than anything because we had always we went into the pandemic in a very in person experience, mm-hmm. um, which required a lot out of our members. Like you had to come to a physical space to get value, and we found ourselves at the beginning of the pandemic in a place where like. In order to continue, we were definitely at the like high end of every list of our investors of what's going to happen to this company and not like the good list. It's not the good list you want to no, be on for your investors. <laughs> um, and like probably the most proud moment I've ever had as a, you know, as co-founders that we've ever had of how quickly our team really pivoted into how do you still get value from this in a virtual world? Yeah. And that is just a much better experience for our members who now like can tap into it wherever they are. And it's a better, like, easier scaled model. So I think in many ways, there's real silver linings that happened because of the pandemic for us. Did it help your diversity numbers? I mean, that's something that I think I'm impressed by with Chief right now. But I'm curious if that's as a result of the pandemic, we're seeing it. I think it allowed us to expand. And so when we started Chief, we looked at the reports that said only 18% of women VP through C-suite identified as a woman of color. And so pre-launch, we were like, let's double that, right? So we need 36% of our membership. Uh, I think we're tracking around 35% of our members right now. And by the way, it's not just diversity of membership. We're also looking at retention of all of our members to make sure that when women join Chief, they want to stay in Chief as well. But it absolutely helped us in terms of getting out of uh, metro areas and being really thoughtful about women who, again, that movie trope of the busiest woman in the world, if we can somehow now allow her to connect, join Chief, and be a part of this network wherever she is. It allows us to bring in so many different people from different walks of life who really need Chief without that, you know, boundary of needing to take the subway to our original place in Tribeca. (laughs) (laughs) Which brings me to my last area of questions, which is girl boss. Hmm. How do you guys feel when I say that term? (laughs) Do we like it? I just want to look around and say, like, show of hands for anybody who has identified themselves as a boy boss. (laughs) Good, good answer. I see no hand. <laughs> and, and to me, that's it, which is like we don't use the phrase boy boss. We only use the phrase girl boss because we've put women in another category instead of just assuming that a woman can be a leader. And so I don't like the phrase because of that. I don't like thinking about, you know, women in leadership. It's just leadership. And so how can we celebrate women, not tear them down, not 
infantilize what it is to be a woman leader by calling them a girl boss um, and truly make sure that women can lead and do it in their own way. As we were creating Chief, it was actually, we were, you know, debating across a few different names and we would talk to people about, you know, we're thinking we're going to go with Chief. And they're like, that sounds really masculine. Are you sure that's the right name for what you're about to build? We're like, that's the point. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) One of my favorite VC firms, uh, Graham and Walker. It sounds like a law firm run by two white men, but it's a female founded VC firm and they just wanted to immediately test your biases. Mm. And so I completely resonate with that. The reason I bring up Girlboss is, you know, a lot of women who have been in charge of billion dollar companies have also been scrutinized by the media, by their employees. I mean, we've seen those stories about the wing Glossier away. And I wonder as two women in charge of a billion dollar company, does it feel like a ticking time bomb? Does it feel, you know... I'm sure you're not waiting for it, but are you thinking about it, the scrutiny? I would say that there's like a few things that go through our mind. One is, yes, that, um, you know, you see some of your peers that are going through something like that. But I also think that we recognize that we are a very mission-oriented business. We have a very clear mission. And I think that there is extra scrutiny that goes on companies that are very mission-oriented in general, that what they do internally or what they say externally, they are also very much mirroring internally. It needs to fit, yeah. It needs to fit. And so I think for Lindsay and I, that has always just been like forefront of everything that we have thought about as we've thought about like the teams and the culture and what we want to build that was just really important to us from the get-go that I think we have actually felt more because of we are a mission-based company than being women CEOs or women founders. Yeah, I don't think it's a time bomb. I think it's us thinking about making sure we're always walking the walk, practicing what we preach, and being human first always. How have you made sure you're practicing it internally as well? I know that diversity-wise members, it's uh, 35%. Does that reflect in your employee and executive team as well? Yes, Exactly. All the way up through our board. Um, We have an incredible team that we are always supporting in terms of investing in ERGs. We just hired an incredible uh, VP of impact and inclusion to not just support inclusion internally, but also how are we impacting the world? So when we raised our last round of funding, we committed million dollars annually to make sure that we can commit funds to uh, nonprofits, charities, organizations that align with our mission that maybe we day to day can't always tackle. And so we're excited to have somebody who's not just thoughtful about DEI internally, but what does that look like in the world and how can we put our money where our mouth is? But I think it's also important for us and that we're never going to be perfect. And I think that is uh, a thing that like we've gone on our own, you know, entrepreneurial journey of, of like, you do feel that pressure of your mission oriented business, you're trying to do right, but nobody is going to be perfect all of the time. And I think that's been really important for us culturally to make sure that our team feels as well. It's like that you can have moments of failure and learning and then that's okay. And uh, my biggest hope is that as we have seen some articles of takedowns that have happened, it has felt like those moments of imperfection are not as condoned uh, in certain demographics. And I think it's important for us not to get caught up in that either. Yeah. I mean, it's a more realistic time to be a unicorn, which feels healthier for the moment. Yeah. Thank you both so much for this conversation. This is awesome. And I hope everyone else enjoys the rest of Disrupt. Uh, We'll see you backstage. We'll get dinner, drinks, all the things. Thank (laughs) you. Appreciate you you guys.
Thank you for everyone who listened to that interview. There were a few bits that stood out to me as things that Chief hasn't said too much before. First was the fact that the co-founder, Lindsay Kaplan, mentioned that not every single member needs to have 15 years of experience, despite the fact that that's how it's advertised. So I would say that it's fair to expect that Chief's expansion in the coming years may not be necessarily that they're accepting women across all leadership levels, but that they are broadening their definitions of what requirements are. The other high-level example that really stood out to me was how they said that the wing is not their competitor, but they also said that part of Chief's endurance was due to the fact that it's a community that happens to have spaces versus a space that happens to have community. So I will let you chew on that. Thank you, everyone who came to Disrupt last week, and thank you for listening to this episode. We will chat on Friday. Equity Wednesdays are hosted by myself, TechCrunch senior reporter Natasha Mascarenas, editor-in-chief of TechCrunch Plus, Alex Wilhelm, and TechCrunch senior reporter Marianne Azevedo. We're produced by Teresa Locansolo with editing by Kel Keller. Bryce Durbin is our illustrator. Alyssa Stringer leads audience development and Henry Pickovet manages TechCrunch audio products. Thank you so much for listening and we'll be back next week.